Better Betters. I'm the host, Spanky. Thanks for listening. My guest this week is a pioneer in the fighting handicapping genre. He has worked for and or consulted with some of the top bookmakers around the world. When it comes to fighting odds making, this is the guy to turn to. He's currently down working for the Hard Rock in Florida. Please welcome my man, Joey Odessa. Joey, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. It's been a long, it's been a long time coming, I think. You're, Absolutely, you're, you're, Joey. I'm so happy you're, you're on Be Better Betters. Joey, I always like to start with, how was life growing up? It was good. Um, you know, I just, I didn't get into the sports betting stuff until my, you know, until my late teens, college. Um, you know, I had wrestled my whole life. And I, you know, I went to college on a wrestling scholarship. And then, you know, in, I guess it was what, 1990, I just decided I was working at an, I was working at an adult club, an adult entertainment club, a strip club, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and I was surrounded by bookmakers, players, you know, and I'd gone, I was ready to go back to college and I got in the car and uh, I drove about 30 minutes and I turned around and I came home and my father's like, what's wrong? What's wrong with the car? What the hell are you doing? And I, I said, I'm just not going back. And uh, that was a tough day. It was a tough week, but uh, I went, you know, but I went back to, uh, I went back to the club where I was working and they welcomed me with open arms, you know, cause obviously there was a different kind of education I was going to get in the club as opposed to, you know, college. I, you know, I decided I just didn't want to be a history teacher and I decided I wasn't going to compete anymore. You know, I was in a division one school and I just said, uh, you know, that's enough of it. And I came home and, and that was the start of it. That's like, uh, that's where, where I made, I guess, the turn to, to going into the sports industry. It all started in a, in a small strip club in upstate New York. Well, downstate New York, technically, about 60 miles north of New York City. Wow, that's great, man. Um, growing up uh, or, or getting, you know, your, one of your first jobs um, at a strip joint, that must have been a pretty crazy education. I bet you saw a lot of, uh, you had to throw a lot of, were you bouncing and stuff? You had to throw a lot of people out? Yeah, I was the night manager and it was, you know, I tell you, sure, you know, back then, I mean, it, there was, it wasn't as much, you know, we didn't have like all the video surveillance like they do now. Things got a little crazy sometimes. And, you know, we had a lot of characters coming in out of there. You know, I saw a lot of things and, and I, I learned, I learned from some, some guys that were, uh, they were really, really good at what they did. You know, I guess you'd call them bookmakers, professional bettors. Um, they were betting at the time. They were betting into the New York offices. Just as the New York offices were starting to move offshore, they were betting into, uh, you know, the guy that, that my boss, who, who's passed away now, he was a, uh, he, well, long story, he was, he was a rat. He was no damn good in hindsight, but he, uh, he was one of Billy Scott's agents down in Antigua, WWTS. So, you know, I, I, I knew that this industry was moving offshore, you know, that things were going to start changing and, you know, the upstate, <clears throat> excuse me, satellite offices, you know, like when I, I had actually worked on, um, you know, I never approached him about it, never talked to him about it. But uh, the office that I was working in, I believe, was one of uh, was one of Kaplan's. It was one of G's upstate New York. Well, downstate New York, but north of the city again. And, uh, you know, because I remember Gary, I remember G. And I mean, he'd come up. I knew that was him. Uh, this guy, this had to be, what, 89 to probably 91, somewhere in that ballpark. And, uh, you know, I, I again, I saw the move to, to offshore. These guys, I guess they first went to the Dominican, if I'm not mistaken. And then uh, they moved over to, you know, the, the uh, I guess, the sportsbook hub of, of the Americas in Costa Rica. 
So before, but what was, you know, you, so you were probably mess, you know, dealing with a couple of bookmakers in a strip club. When do you see the trend going offshore? What year and what was your first taste of that? Well, I would say 19, 1990, 1998, 99, I started really seeing it. You know, we call and we get, you know, guys, they were, you know, obviously they were working offshore. You could tell, you know, you get the Costa Rican clerks and I guess the Dominican clerks and things like that. But uh, I saw a lot of guys, you know, well, you know, make no mistake about it. Law enforcement evolved and people start, you know, they do cell phones and, you know, things like that. Got a lot of people in a lot of trouble. And there was no, uh, you know, the end, the end, the end result of staying up there probably wouldn't have been good. I mean, hindsight's always a hundred, but, you know, a lot of guys that I, you know, that I grew up around, they all got in trouble. And uh, 1999, I just said the heck with it. Um. You know, I had guys that owed me money and I just I left it on the table. I said I, I went to Costa Rica and and it sounds like minuscule money right now. And it was then, too. I went down there with three thousand dollars and, you know, like pocket full of dreams. You know, I just I knew that if I went down there, I'd get hired by somebody. I, I thought about going to Antigua, but I didn't do Antigua because Billy Scott only hired uh, he only hired female clerks. And that's when um I guess Jessica was there. She was his her, you know, pinnacle. Jessica was his his main, you know, his manager, the person who ran everything over there at the time, because my, the guy that I worked with in New York, he had gone down there a couple of times, I guess, to St. Martin. So anyways, I, I just jumped on a plane. I, I, I didn't tell, I told like a handful of people I was going and I had a 90 day ticket and $3,000 and that was it. And I, and I just went down there, you know, saying, I'm going to find it, you know, I'm going to find a job, but I, I had a misconception like back then I was getting like VCR tapes and stuff like I was watching these tapes about surfing and Costa Rica and the good life and Pura Vida and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I was thinking it was going to be like Tom Cruise cocktail. And it was. <laughs> okay, I, I, love, I, I no. love this. I love this. This is good stuff. So, we, uh, yeah, I, I, this is great because everybody has these dreams of Costa Rica. And listen, it's a beautiful country. Don't get me wrong. But, man, there's some parts there. You're like, what the fuck's. All right. Uh, there's a lot to digest there because so Billy Scott, you, you mentioned a lot of things. Billy Scott hired Jessica, of course. You know, we don't even want to say who Jessica is now, but Jessica, you know, used to answer uh used to clerk and used to she was clerking and when i first one of my first time my first year betting she was actually writing bets and it was it's amazing to see where she's gone in the business um and she, she's great but um so so did you have a hook with billy scott or did you have a hook with somebody else like what made you say it's costa rica not antigua or or, or you know was was belize still part of it was curacao like there were so many options back then um, and Costa Rica, I guess 99 maybe was becoming, slowly becoming the hub, or it might have been the hub already by then. But how do you make that decision? What kind of a hookup do you have? Well, there was uh, the guys that ran, the, a lot of the New York guys uh, moved there. They were in, uh, I guess they moved over by Office Central. Um, I don't want to say that, I, you know, I probably should either, I'm not going to say the names, but they were running some of the big paperhead shops. I guess it was going in that direction. Um, it wasn't quite paperhead yet, but these guys were writing business for like ridiculous low prices and, you know, like I, I, you know, for a piece of the business. I don't know what the exact deals were, but I know there was some New York guys down there and uh, that knew the guys up that I had known. But uh, but that just when I went down there, you know, like I went I went to Office Central and I knocked on doors and, you know, I, you know, Office Central, you got to go through the whole gates and all that to even get in there and have a pass and stuff. 
I mean, if they threw a net over that place back in, you know, 2001, they just scooped up everybody. Because that seems <laughs> to be like, yeah, yeah, that was like where all the bookmakers were. So I went over there and I knocked on some doors and, you know, they were kind of like, you know, they, you know, they were, there. nobody, who, who's going to hire a guy? And I didn't really think about it, but, you know, they're thinking all these guys are paranoid at the time. And, you know, perfect paranoia is perfect awareness. They're thinking, look, what's this kid, you know, who jumps on a plane with three dimes, lands in the country, doesn't speak the language, doesn't know anybody, tries to get a job. They probably thought I was a cop. You yeah. know, I mean, call for what it is. And, uh, and they weren't interested. And, I, you know, I just said the heck with it. So I just sat in uh, the Colonial Casino, which was uh, behind the Delray. God, the Delray, Jesus. But anyway, it was behind the Delray. And uh, there was a sports book. The Blue Marlin was, was in the front of the Delray. But at, anyways, I'm in the Colonial Casino and I sat there for weeks watching games and I bumped into, you know, I, I bumped into some really, you know, it's crazy. Like some of the characters that went in and out of there, like in hindsight, because this is when the phone, you know, when people were making a transition from phones to Internet wagering. So you still had guys like calling, you know, call centers and things. They were basically call centers down there and they were, you know, they had website guys that were just starting to get these websites up and things like that. But I didn't realize the people that had been around, like everybody walked in and out of there. Like Delray was like a, and the Colonial was like a common place for bookmakers. And, uh, you know, I, I was in there one night and I was talking to a guy and, you know, for after, you know, after, like I said, after weeks, I mean, I was running on fumes and, uh, you know, I mean, I didn't have much money. I lived in a $200 apartment up in uh, Vargas Araya with a, a sheetrock bed no windows. I mean, it was, I literally lived like, I mean, it was like those videos you see now of, you know, down on the Mexican border. I lived in a shithole. Like I had nothing, man. I was dead after I didn't even have a stove. I had a hot plate. You know what I mean? It was probably the equivalent of being in, you know, being in jail, but I just, I knew that I had to do something, you know what I mean? And it, it's probably good that I, that I went down there with no money. Cause if I had gone down there with a lot of money, you see the turnaround on people, people go down there, they do, you know, the, the Americans go down there, a lot of them, and they either end up getting, you know, they end up going bus gambling in, on those table games, bus betting sports, bus chasing women, you know, the, the, you know, call for what it is, chasing the prostitutes, or they end up falling in love with one, knocking them up and losing everything anyway, or overdosing. I mean, it's just the turnaround was crazy down there. Like I saw a lot of people, you know, pass away during my, you know, during my time down there, a lot of, you know, good people that I really like, you know, and. You know, it's Costa Rica was a, uh, you know, it was really good to me, but it was also a, you know, it, like you could find a lot of bad things to do down there. You know what I mean? Consistently, like every day of the week. And, uh, you know, so it was a tough, a tough place. But get back to what I was saying. I sat in this in this colonial casino and then I went out. I went out to Pueblo with a guy and uh, he introduced me to a woman who uh, who was uh, the wife, girlfriend, whatever, of a bookmaker down there. And that bookmaker, I mean, who cares? I'll just say, now nah, it was Monty. And uh, Monty had just left Sacco, vet Chris, and he, he uh, Sacco, I guess, I, I didn't see this, but I guess uh, Ron just, Ron yanked him up. Ron didn't want him on stage, whereas, you know, where they're up there, you know, moving the numbers and things like that. And I guess that uh, Monty didn't, you know, didn't care. And I guess Ron, when Ron had got back to Costa Rica, I guess he yanked him right off the stage, beat the shit out of him in the office. You know, and then Monty just packed up, left and opened it, you know, took his agent, some of his agents moved to another shop over in the Equus building, which there was a lot of guys there. I mean, back then you had, you know, Five Dimes was there and Hollywood was there. And there, there was a lot of books in that Equus building next to the San Pedro Mall. I'm sure you, you've probably been in and out of there a few times, mm -hmm. no? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, so I went to work for them and, you know, I showed up the first day and, 
They said, all right, we're going to pay you uh, $30 a shift, $30, get this $30 a shift, eight hour shifts, whatever, you know, the day, the day shift. And, uh, and I said, well, look, I'll work as many as I can. So I'd work eight shifts and, uh, you know, two, $240 a week. And I, I knew I was going to move up, you know, and, and the Super Bowl that year landed seven. Uh, it was uh, the Rams in Tennessee landed seven. And Monty and, you know, Monty was, you know, Monty was, was all fucked up at the time. You know, it's, it's sad to say that, but he, he, you know, he just, he just kept moving off of seven and buying back and forth. And that game landed seven and, and he didn't show up for like three weeks. Okay. And when he didn't show, yeah, he, he just never showed up, you know, and people were calling and they needed somebody on stage. So I just, boom, I got elevated to the stage. You know, obviously my pay tripled, you know what I mean? I'm now I'm getting, you know, a hundred a day, hundred a shift and, and I'm still working as many shifts as I can. So now I'm, I'm making almost a dime a week in Costa Rica and it's all right. So I got out of that, you know, I got out of the toilet bowl I was living in, moved into a decent place and, uh, and went from there. But all right, perfect. Let, 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 let me just, I, this is so, this is such great stuff because I'm just trying to picture it right now. I'm, I'm putting myself back there. I'm trying to see how it is. You know, you move down to Costa Rica, you're at the Colonial, you're just trying to run in the gringos, there's pockets of, of gringos there and you kind of, you know, back then, anybody that was a gringo was pretty much in, in the industry, in the bookmaking industry. So you're kind of trying to get in and try to figure out how to and, and you wind up running into somebody and you, you get your big break um, um, working for Monty. So, you know, let's describe how, because Monty is, is a legend in the business, um, you know, has been around for a long time. Um, Caribbean, I think it was, Caribbean, yep. not, not Carib, Correct. but Caribbean. Um, talk about Monty and his work ethic. You know, forget about all the demons and all that shit. I want to hear about Monty's skill, you know, as, you know, because he, he's, he definitely, you know, was well known in the business. Yeah, you know, I I can't send. You know, look, Monty was good to me. You know what I mean? He, I, I got along with Monty. Like Monty was rough with people. Like Monty, if Monty could bully you, you know, I mean, let, let's go. You know, again, I'll call for what is it? Monty could bully people. He would. I mean, I've seen him throw milkshakes, hamburgers at people. I've seen him freak out. I mean, he'd scream like nobody. I mean, he'd scream and everybody jump. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, if a wise guy called and people were talking, you know, or or the, you know, people were loud, he just he'd lose it. You know. Um, but you know what he did? He he uh, he did everything by hand. Credit to him. He would hand chart, and he would because the, the the computers and the electric would always go down. So all the people, all the clerks would keep a hand sheet. You know, if, if it was Saturday football, they'd keep a hand sheet with the changes. And as far as on stage, he'd keep a hand chart because you know maybe old maybe it was because he was old school. And I think I think it's a great thing because I you know till this day. I'm a paper and pen guy. I like to put things down on paper, look at it. You know, I know they say now, you know, you're supposed to like a pilot, trust your instruments, you look at the screen and, you know, your software and you got all the breakdowns and it. But I, I just, I always kept hand sheets. I'd always keep notes. And that's something that I, that I learned from Monty. You know, I learned, like I learned some, you know, I watched Monty struggle and it, look, all them games that year. I mean, it seemed like every Monday night game was landing on the number. He was just getting buried everything anytime a number moved you know three four points it would always land I mean he he just took a beating and uh you know I maybe he moved a little too aggressively sometimes off the numbers I I would say that in hindsight you know if he didn't you know if, if they didn't land he looked like a genius um I just think that he was a you know a victim of of you know he was a victim of you know the the results I mean that 
it's easy to play results, but they didn't, you know, they didn't, luck, he didn't have, you know, they, they, luck, there's, you know, luck is just, you know, good luck and bad luck. And he didn't have too much good luck, I could say, uh, from what I saw. It was painful to watch. It was painful to watch because you'd almost know, you know, on those Monday night games or whatever games, he's moving off the three and you just knew that they were going to land. And to see him, you know, it, it was just that he just, he got beat down. He got beat down really, you know, really hard. You know, and I look, I, and, you know, again, I guess he had a lot of, you know, payment problems before he, whatever, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I don't want to talk about, speak on, you know, on his, I guess I'm speaking on his business anyway, but, you know, he just, uh, you know, he tried, he had a good heart. He tried to do the right thing. He had a lot of demons, though, a lot of demons. Yeah, there's some demons, you know, I'm not even talking about the drugs and shit. There was some other shit, man, that I yeah, used to Yeah, no, I mean, I listen, yeah, I, we just, don't, I mean, I'll, I'll save it for the book deal, you know what I mean? Cause yeah, the, the, the shit that I... The shit that I heard is some crazy shit, but I mean, yeah, but you know what? I can't even now that I even think about it. Like, like I haven't thought about it in so many years. Like now that I think about it, like, God, you know, he just, you know, he, man, I don't want to say, but he he deserved that bad luck. He did some really bad shit too, yeah. you know, or at least I didn't witness it. I because obviously that stuff you couldn't watch. You know, anybody that can witness it is complacent with it, and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you look at that. You know, I, you know, just that. I mean, people are probably wondering, saying, "What could it be? What could it be?" I mean, I, I think that probably that Jeffrey Epstein looks like a saint compared to yeah. what took place down there. I oh, mean, yeah. that, you know, when the sun goes down, the freaks come out. You know what I mean? Yeah, That's it. Yeah, I mean, I judge him. I judge him on how he treated me. Um, you know, he was nasty to a lot of people, but, you know, and maybe it was because, I mean, you know, he couldn't, you know, he wasn't going to bully me because look, I went down there really, you know, I went down there with not a lot to lose. So, you know, he didn't like, like I'd have kicked his ass. But Joey, let me ask you a question. Like, you know, you're working, you know, a shift and you're making two forty a week working how many hours? Oh God, too many. But I, what, what else was I going to do? You know, no, I, mean? I know I that, but that's like, that's like, damn, like, that's like, because from what I understand, I guess, you know, the, the, the Tico pay versus gringo pay was always, you know, they, they would hook the gringos up a little more because you just, just couldn't do it. Like, like how can we live like this? Um, but my God, it's like, it's insane. The out, when you break it down as an hourly rate, um, it really was like, it was like abuse yeah. kind of shit. Well, they would bring down, they, they would bring down guys from, you know, from, you know, agents would send down their nephews and things like that. And, and these guys, they'd start them all out at a hundred a shift, you know, and, and it was insulting, but I didn't, you know what though, but I didn't care because I just, this is what I love to do. Look, I walked away from, I had a restaurant, D1 restaurant scholarship. I walked away from everything to be a bookmaker, to be yeah. in the industry. You know what I mean? This yeah, is what yeah. I wanted to do. I, I could feel, you know, when these games are going, like I, like the fights specifically, maybe that's why I took my, you know, focused on combat sports because I felt that, you know, I, you, you get, I felt that bang, that rush, you know what I mean? That maybe when I was competing, you know, I mean, I'm sure that, that Dr. Melfi would, would, you know, would analyze the shit out of me. I don't know. I, but that's what I did. And I just, you know, I took the pay that I got and I, and I was grateful for it, for getting an opportunity, but then things started to grow. Um, well, well let, 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 let's get to, okay. So you leave, you leave, you leave Caribbean. What happens then? What makes you make the move now? Well, the guy in New York says, look, there's a guy that we know that he knows in the Bahamas. That's got just dump trucks of money. And he wants to open a sports book in Belize. And at the time I didn't know where Belize, I didn't even know where Belize was. You know what I mean? I couldn't, <laughs> I, I said previously, like I couldn't have spotted it on a map, you know, for a million dollars at the time. So anyways, he tells me that, and he and I don't know what the connection to Billy Scott was. I I, I don't know what it was, but 
I know that Billy Scott didn't want to be involved with it or something. And so anyway, I go to Belize to meet a guy and uh, a guy from the Bahamas and he, um, and he had money and everything went good. And he said, look, we're going to open on the data pro compound. And one of these things, he had an office there and everything. And, and his partner owned, uh, you know, again, it's the early years of the internet. His partner owned Belize.com, which mm. you would think would be a pretty good URL. Yeah. So we were like, you know, I was like, all right, rock and roll. And guy had money. And, uh, and he said, uh, <laughs> he said, look, I got to go. He goes, I got to travel. He said, I got to go back to the States. He goes for a little bit to a wedding or something. And he goes, uh, do you need any money? I said, no, nah, I don't. Yeah, I'm good. You know what I mean? And I had bought a truck, you know, I, I bought a, a Cherokee or something like that, but I, I didn't have the, uh, I didn't have the title to it. You know what I mean? I paid cash, but I didn't have the, all the paperwork to it. And he, uh, and he said, well, let me give you some cash. And, one lesson, lesson, big lesson. Anytime somebody offers you money, take it. Says, hey, let me give you 10 dimes or whatever. No, 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 I'm good. I got money. So he leaves and he's supposed to be back Friday and he don't come back. Monday comes, I'm not real worried. He don't come back Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. If I now went to the following week, I'm talking to the guy in New York. I'm saying, what is going on here? You know, here I am stuck in Belize, you know. Anyways, a couple of days later, the guy in New York calls me. He says, look, this guy was a, a, a stock swindler. He fucking embezzled millions and millions of dollars and they picked him up. Great. Thanks for putting me with him. You know, so, you know, I, the time, I mean, how do you vet these guys? You can't really uh, no. bet them on. Now, the what, what, what was the name of this joint? There was no joint. There was no, we were just going to open. I mean, we had Belize.com. Oh. We we're looking at uh, Belize City International, but there was no sports book. He wanted to open oh. fresh. So, and I was like, all right. And, and at the time there was uh Camelot was there in, in Belize, Mark Dell. Mark Dell he yeah, yeah. he yeah. ran on, he ran on some bad times. I liked Mark Dell, yeah. you know, people criticized me for it, but, but when this shit hit the fan for me down there, Mark Dell invited me over to his house for dinner, you know? And, and that was a nice thing because I was like, man, I can't believe like my winning lottery ticket sitting in the pen somewhere. So he, uh, <laughs> I needless to say, this guy doesn't come back. So I'm talking to I'm talking with the guy from Loose Lines, uh, well Benny Loose Lines, and uh, they're over in Del Mar's Del Mar and them had, had an office in Del Mar, moved back to Costa Rica, and Benny I guess was moving to Curacao. So I'm talking to Benny, and he's like, "Look, stay here for a while for until I close up, and go to Curacao, and you know, be my guy in Curacao." I mean, talk about like so like window of opportunity to open itself again. I'm sleeping on a fucking couch at Benny's house in, in on the data pro compound. Um, the, the day before I left, I packed all my stuff, right? Get this. I packed all my stuff and put my suitcase, everything in, the, in, in this, in this Cherokee, this Cherokee that I couldn't bring with me or couldn't sell because I didn't have the title to it. And I couldn't track down because the guy that the Bahamas guy took care of all that. So now I, I got all my stuff packed up and I go to sleep, except I kept my, I kept like a, a, you know, a fanny pack with me that had my passport and, and my ticket and, you know, a little bit of money, probably like a nickel. So I fucking wake up the next morning. There's a big, they took a rock, smashed the back window out of my Cherokee. They stole all everything I had. They stole all my shit. So I had nothing but a fanny pack and like $500. So here I am starting over again. Wow. So. Yeah, so I flew back to I flew back to Costa Rica because I had a, an in between flight. I had to stay in Costa Rica for night. Fly back to Costa Rica. My buddy picks me up. He's like, "Hey, where's all your stuff? Where's all your stuff?" I said, "You don't even want to know. Just fuck it." 
So I get on a plane the next day and I still had stuff in Costa Rica, you know, some clothes and stuff. So I take the, the B list of clothes I had, which was nothing special. You know what I mean? The stuff that I didn't wear. And I take that to Curacao. So now I'm in Curacao and the, you know, we're in the uh, holiday beach, I guess it was. See, I don't know if this is like, I don't know if this is interesting or boring for me to be talking. No, about no, this guys. is great stuff because I know where this is going. The yeah. holiday is a very important place. Go ahead. Keep it rolling. Yeah. So I'm in the holiday beach and, uh, the upstairs there, they had uh, they had loose lines, ABC Islands, top of the world, Pinnacle. Pinnacle was up mm -hmm. there, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, I'm up there. And, you know, I brush feathers with a lot of those those big, you know, the big people. But I, again, I'm just coming off of a, you know, I left Costa Rica. You know, I finally, you know, hit, I didn't hit pay there in Costa Rica, but I'm finally on stage. I leave to, to go take a chance and, and try something big. And I, I think it's going to be the next big thing. And it, it, it just, boom, just fizzles out. So now I'm in Curacao and I'm miserable. You know, and there's not a lot to do in Curacao. And it's an island, and it's beautiful. You know, it's a Dutch island. It's one of the ABC islands, Aruba, Bonaire, Curacao, off the coast of Venezuela for, the, you know, your listeners that aren't sure exactly where it's at. Great little league baseball there, but there's not a lot to do. They call it the rock. And uh, and I'm working there, and uh, one of the agents comes down, one of the bigger bigger agents of Wolves Lines comes down, and he's just not happy. At the time, they're doing – they're putting satellites in, satellite phones. And listen, this is pre-9-11. So you you got to figure, that, like, when I say it's hard for people to imagine what life was like without the internet, without these cell phones, without those. We're still in that era where we got, you know, 150 clerks in, in a call center. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're on stage with the computers and we're still dealing with the phones going down, the power outages, things like that. Well, anyway, one of his bigger agents said, well, I want to go to Costa Rica because uh, he didn't like Curacao either. Goes, I want to move guy from from California. So I want to go to Costa Rica. I'm going to take my business out. And we're going to start fresh. He said, "Meet me there on this day." So I said, "All right." So I, uh, but before that happened, now see where I, I got off track here. When I was with Mont, when I was with Monty, I was betting some fights, and uh, right before when I when I went to Belize, I had a guy come in and uh, guy come in and asked me one night. There was fights on the TV. I had gone back to Monty's office in the in between. And because uh, I'd gone to Belize two times and uh, in the in between, he says, look, he says, you know, you know anything about this UFC stuff? And I said, yeah, you know, I, I, I follow it pretty religiously, you know, back home, everything. He said, well, who do you think is going to win these fights? And I told him who I thought was going to win the fights. And he like laughed at me. And I said, what, what's so funny? You know, and he's like, well, three of these guys are underdogs, you know, and this guy's like to pick them. I said, well, whatever, man, this is who I like. You know, I caught a little bit of an attitude. So then I watched the fights and all my guys won, all four guys. So he comes back and he handed me $500. And he says, uh, from now on, he said, don't tell nobody who you like. Because I had been posting. You see, I, I left a huge party. So I had started posting at Major Wager. So I was posting fights in Major Wager and they were winning, you know, but not a lot of people offered fights. Like the only people that offered fights were uh, like that Bet365, which you couldn't even really bet anything at. Uh, there was got a couple other small places and, and Jamaica. So anyways, so now I go back, I had to get that in there just cause it, I'll, I'll move back to that later. So I'm betting a fight. So I, I have this reputation for betting a fight. So I'm in Curacao and, uh, and I, and I'm starting to rack up money again. Like I start, I go on a roll. I couldn't, when I say I couldn't lose, I couldn't lose. I mean, I'm hitting four to one shots and the numbers were bad. Like Chris Bird fighting Klitschko or, uh, fighting David too. I watched that one at the, at the uh, at the Holiday Beach there, Caliente Sportsbook, and uh, Chris Bird goes out there, beat the shit out of him. I think I took plus five hundred with him, plus four eighty, plus five hundred. So I'm starting to pack, you know, I'm starting to, to make money again. And I was also on a free roll 
from the guy that I had met in the uh, in the office. So I had get this. So when I'm at, in Curacao before 9/11, I got about 40 dimes that's owed to me. Okay, and Tito Trinidad was supposed to fight Bernard Hopkins on September 15th. Well, 9/11 happened, and they were supposed to fight at Madison Square Garden. 9/11 happened, so obviously that fight got canceled, and they pushed it back to September 29th. Well. I, you know, I had been taking chances my whole life. So I, I was convinced that Tito, that Bernard Hopkins could not shine Tito Trinidad's shoes. I just was convinced. I mean, I, listen, I'm telling you, I hit, I bet Jamil McQuine when he beat, uh, when, not when he beat Moore, but anyway, I had Jamil McQuine as a huge dog when I was there. I had Chris Bird when he was a huge dog. I had Marco Antonio Barrera when he beat Nazim Hamed. Uh, geez, Mayorga when he upset fours. I mean, Lennox when he beat up, uh, when he beat up Klitschko, I mean, I could, when I say I couldn't lose, no shit, you wouldn't believe it. If I didn't post it at Major Wager, you know, Russ Hawkins, he was a friend of mine. He passed, um, he was the owner of Major Wager. Uh, shout out to him. But he, uh, you know, I mean, I was like, God, I must have been like 80 wins and maybe 15 losses. I mean, it was, I was crushing it until that Trinidad fight. So Trinidad was about minus 380 or so. And I said, fuck it. I'm going back to Costa Rica. I want to, you know, I want to have 50 dimes. So I bet the whole 40 on fucking Trinidad to win 10,500. And he didn't win a round. He didn't win a round of that fight. He got, he got, he got torched. So I was disgusted again. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I jumped on a plane and flew back to Costa Rica after that. And, uh, and we were in Cas Cascade, Lenny, Chico, Joey. He had Cascade, him and Drew at Cascade and, he had a downstairs of, of his office in Pavis was an empty floor. It was just nothing there, but it was wired for phones and internet. We put in internet. It was pretty easy. So I went in there and uh, hired like six clerks, two guys that could work on stage with me. I actually hired a guy from uh, a guy, you'll, this name will make you cringe, Dunes. I hired one of the stage guys from Dunes to work with me. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we opened up over there. And and we did really, really good. I mean, his players couldn't win. And I start again, here I was starting over again, but I, I was being paid good. You know what I mean? Like he was, now I'm, now I'm doing all right. Now I'm getting, I'm living in a house in Carrieri on the golf course, which at the time Carrieri was the place to be. This is, this is like 2002. Carrieri is the place to be. Um, you know, I had a free rental car every month. I could swap it in and out for whatever I wanted. And I was getting 1500 a week. I had no expenses. So, I mean, I was, you know, I did all the things that a, a single guy would do in Costa Rica. I was out, but I worked. I Believe me, when I say I worked, I, I'd come in in the morning because we started out with that QNX software. Uh, it was Computer Rogers software. And uh, he didn't, he's not going to like me saying this, but it was it was shit. It was horrible. It was that stuff that Jazz used and had to be downloaded. And Delmar started using it. was hard. I mean, I had to go in and type in 65 matchups every morning. It was just, it was torture. But, uh, but we beat all the players pretty good. And, uh, and I was betting the fights again. And I started rocking again. I picked, up, I picked off right after that Trinidad fight. I picked up right where I left off. I mean, I just started winning. And uh, All right. So, so and, this, uh, this is so this is you open up this joint downstairs in Pavas with the guy that left, that wanted to leave Belize, that wanted to open up his own joint. Correct. And what's the name of that joint? Country Club Sports. Gotcha. Okay. So you're there for now, and and you're also so you're 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 making three nickels a week, and yep. um and and you're doing all the fights. So you're you're obviously making fight lines. You're betting fight lines. Um, two thousand two. I mean, that's good money in two thousand. Oh, big time, big time. 
good money yeah. now. You know? oh, of course. Okay. So, so, so talk, let's go. I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to get the timeline straight. All right. Uh, how long do you stay at country club sports? Well, I was betting the fights and a lot of people didn't offer them. So then one day I'm there and I get a phone call and the clerk, you know, I'd always, the clerks would always screen the calls and they say, Oh, I got a guy on the phone. I said, who is it? They said, his name's Spiro. I said, okay, send him up. So I had known who Spiro was, you know, the Greek. And he said, uh, is this Joey Odessa? And I said, yeah, this is me. And he said, uh, he paused. And you know, I don't know if you've ever talked to him before. He goes, it's like he needs to gather his thought. He goes, these guys, they're, they're beating me up with these fights. And then he didn't say nothing. I remember this like it was yesterday. And I said, and? <laughs> you know, I just, like, I was, I had a little bounce in my I'm like, and what? So, you know? And he's like, well, I want you to get on a plane and come see me. I want to, I want to work out a deal with you. So I said, well, what kind of a deal? He said, look, I'm going to make you a deal that, you know, that you kind of can't refuse a great deal. So I talked to the guy and I, you know, I had hired people to work, you know, now uh, country club was in full swing, you know, so he's doing good. And I, and, and I said, uh, I told, I talked to him and, and he had, uh, it doesn't matter now. Um, he had, he had fucking, he had Jim Feist call me. And Feist is like, look, uh, what are you doing? You're making three nickels a week here. You, you know, because I was on great terms. I, I still talk to the guy from Country Club till, till, till this day. Uh, but Feist is like, look, uh, and, and I remember this. He says, this UFC stuff, it's all bullshit. It's a fad. Nobody's ever going to bet it. <laughs> he said, this MMA stuff and boxing, boxing's dead. Boxing's never going to revive itself. MMA, it's just, it's a fad. It's like WWE. It's all fixed. Nobody's going to bet this stuff. Blah, blah, blah. Well, fucking thank God I didn't listen to one of the most brilliant marketers in the planet at the time because that's what Feist was. And uh, and I didn't believe that. I believed the people would bet it. And uh, and at the time, MVP Sportsbook, this, what really opened the door for me is MVP Sportsbook put up a line on a, a fight between, uh, between Vanderlei Silva and Mirko Krokop. Okay, that was uh, it was in Pride and over in Japan, and that was in 2002. That was uh, it was in April of 2002. They put up a draw line. These crooks, like you know, I, when 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 these books put up a three-way line, and they scoop the draw on you, you know, without it without it added into the vague. I mean, it's just it's it's criminal. Well, mm-hmm. these guys put up a draw line on this uh, Mirko Krokop Vanderlei Silva bout. Unbeknownst to them, the rules on this bout were if the bout goes distance. And nobody gets knocked out. It's declared a draw. Well, they got carried out. They were the only place that was really offering it, like you know, significantly. Like they took a shot at the MMA market, and that that bout clobbered it. And that was right around the UFC was right right around that was around the time of UFC uh, thirty five or thirty seven. UFC thirty seven and thirty seven and a half. Now you're talking about only thirty five UFCs year to date. I just threw away my entire career on stage at a at a stable great credit book to go to Jamaica thinking, you know, I, I, I went, look, I, I saw it. I'm thinking at the time I'm still single. So I'm going to Jamaica. I'm like, I see those Jamaicas for lovers posters. I'm thinking Halle Berry. I fucking dropped down. It's like Chuck Berry. It was nothing, <laughs> nothing like what I thought it was going to be. I mean, it was bad, man. I look. I'm not knocking Jamaica, but I'm knocking Jamaica. I just, <laughs> I did not like it, and I didn't like it. And even with all the money I had, I just didn't. I just couldn't do it, man. Because you know, I go out in Jamaica. They they bring in the boat. You know, the cruise ships that come there, and you know, I just 
you know, those people don't hang with the locals because, who know, you know, they're not hanging with the locals. And then the local, you know, the local, anything that any any dimes that were there, anything that looked great was was, you know, surrounded by three or four guys that, you know, I don't even know. You know, I guys that I didn't want to be, you know, that I didn't want to have any problems with. Yeah, so it was yeah. horrible. Like I was miserable there. But I, li- I lived with Spiro. I lived with Spiro for a while and then he moved me into one of his condos, which was on the compound. And you know, right, but so, so before that, hold on. So you get the, so this is pretty crazy because you take Spiro up, up on his offer. Do you do you go to Jamaica first and have a chat with him, or do you just say, "Fuck it, I'm gonna just leave. I'm I'm going there and I'm not coming back." Like, how did you make that decision to go well, work for Spiro? I made the decision before I went. You know what I mean? I knew that when I left, that I was going there. Um, you know, I had players. You know, I at, at CC, I I we started taking post up. And, uh, and I, and I, man, I don't know what happened quicker. I don't know if Spiro called me quicker or if I had like, you know, a couple hundred deposits. I mean, it was crazy too much. And I couldn't, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't handle that kind of business. You know what I mean? At CC, what I had to hire all new people. So I, I just took the business to Jamaica with me and dummy, you know, you talk about lessons learned, like I learned after you know i mean years i look back and i'm like man i should have took that money there i should have took all those players there and and just had them put it on like a red figure and you know like a bailout instead of bringing them to cash i brought them every penny that was on deposit and nobody does that you know what i mean i did that because i didn't know i didn't know any better like i'm learning as i'm going along like i didn't think that he'd bail me out like he did uh uh what was it there aces gold or not did he bail out it no who bailed out aces gold Royal. 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 Yeah. I mean, might as well. I mean, Royal collaborate. Didn't they like go to Spiro? I don't know. There was, I don't know what the bat, what was going on there, but they all like, I I didn't realize that I could, you know, he could have ate, you know, he could have ate a half million dollar red figure. Like it was nothing because he's betting that on them games. Yeah. You know? All right. So how much you, what what are you making at Spiro and, and, and how do you help him with those fight lines? Are you got, what are you doing? Are you betting out with him? Cause he, you know, once he gets an edge, he loves to bet. Right. So how how does that work? And well, the thing was nobody, we had like the only game in town. Nobody was really offering this stuff big. You know what I mean? He couldn't bet it big and we were booking it big. He was booking it big. And uh, we, you know, again, the offshore in Vegas, you know, something for example, Spiro and I had a little bit of a hiccup when uh, when when Mosley fought Delahoya, because I opened Mosley and hindsight's always hundred. I opened it bad enough. I opened Mosley minus two hundred, and they bet it. All, Vegas opened Delahoya minus two hundred, so I didn't know that they were going to open. I was open for you know I I had that number up for weeks before you know weeks before anybody else. And then they just put up that number. So I might have been at maybe $1.50 on Mosley, $1.40. They bet me some Delahoya, but nothing like I got caught, like when they came in to bet uh, Delahoya. So Spiro, you know, whatever. He, I, Spiro took some bets from, you know, a, fuck, it doesn't matter now, right? His, his initials were Billy Baxter. And, and he, gave, he gave away, you know, again, I, hindsight's always 100, but like the first hiccup I had when it was he just, I thought he gave away the decision on Mosley to Baxter. And, you know, I just didn't, you know, I, I wasn't cool with that because I was there on a, uh, you know, I, he made me a deal. I mean, the, the deal was, I, it was a partnership and, uh, you know, it was a partnership that we had and, uh, you know, and, and I was an equal partner with him on, on everything really, but the, but the fights. And I just felt that given, you know, given away that, that decision was not the right thing to do, especially when we'd been right. We started out 
hot as shit. And then, and then, then we cooled off a little bit. And then that fight, you know, that fight would have put me over the top. When you and, say gave uh, away the decision, how much was he giving Baxter? I don't, I don't know. I might have been fifty. I don't. I don't really know. Gotcha. You know, and, and it was ba- a lot. And Baxter's notorious with the fights. Yeah. No, he was the man. You know. I mean, people would try to. You know. Whatever. I. You know. I. I. I who was it that? I guess Baxter called. When I went back anyway, I, after Spiro, I, I left Jamaica and I went back to. I went back to Costa Rica again. Um. You know, I, I just didn't like Jamaica. But when I got back to Costa Rica, everybody came calling. And one of the places that came calling was uh, was Pinnacle. And and Henry wanted me to come on and do his boxing. And I, I you know, how do you turn that down? So I, 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 I and, oh, also, well, sportsbook.com was the first to come. And I said, look, let's make a non-exclusive deal. So I, I was non-exclusive with sportsbook.com. And uh, which opened the doors to work with other people. And I was and I was doing work with still with Spiro. And then Pinnacle would call. And, uh, you know, I didn't have any exclusive agreement with Spiro, you know, and I had left Jamaica. I well, He knew I wasn't happy there. And, you know, again, the Delahoya fight, whatever. I mean, it's easy for me to sit here and play results. You know what I mean? I put up a bad number. I underestimated the Mexican contingent that was going to roll into Vegas and bet Delahoya. And that's part of the learning curve I went through. That was, what, 2003 or something? It was in the early years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I get it. Pinnacle called and... You know, they offered me, you know, a, a gig, and I said okay. And uh, and you know, all these sports books were competing with each other. Then, but see, here I was. I left all them players with Spiro. I didn't know any better, so we got all that business. Yeah, and all that. You know what I mean? And all that. You know, all that post up. So whatever. So, so let know, me. Try, I, I want to try to bring things into context a little bit. When you say Pinnacle came calling, because right around that time, two thousand three, two thousand four, Pinnacle was was the outfit in which if they couldn't beat you, they would try to hire you. And, and they would try to bring you on to, to, to get their business to be better. So for them to even reach out to you and want you to, you know, work for them and give, give, give them your numbers shows how much of an impact you made on the business and how the word was getting around that, oh, my God, if you want fight lines, um, the guy to get to was Joey Odessa. Um, you know, how did that, how, you know, when did you realize, like, oh, shit, I got some of the biggest bookmakers in the world here reaching out to me when did you when was the aha moment that you like damn I, I i'm onto something here and uh, and how did that feel you know i danny sheridan from usa today had gone on uh he'd gone on the ufc broadcast and he'd call me before you know he called me before the fights guy from don best anthony put me with uh with danny sheridan danny would call me before the fights and he'd go on the broadcast and he'd give out picks but he'd be giving out my stuff but all right, whatever. Like the first time he gave it out as him, I said, all right, you know, second time. But like the third time I was like, man, this dude better start like acknowledging me, you know, because back then, like it's I, when he when he first said my name on the air, I was like, wow, you know, it was like an aha moment for me. You know, I called my parents and look, watch the UFC tonight, da 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 da. But it just, you know, my dad, you know, look, my dad wasn't impressed, you know, and, and that's all I was trying to do. I just wanted to be. You know, I, I guess I want back then I wanted to be acknowledged. You know, it was like it's like trophies. But you know what? Trophies don't pay the bills. And it, it, and I soon realized, you know, it, it, I didn't really figure it out until probably, you know, probably till after 2011. It's it not about, you know, all the pats on the back and, and titles and you're the greatest and best. Like, you know, I, I swear to God, Henry called me up one time and uh, and he said this. And, and, and I, I, I from my from my 
my mouth, I swear to God, he said, he goes, you know, I guess Herb Blumbeck. I said, I said, I don't know who he is. I didn't know who he was. You know, he said, look, he said, uh, he called me up and I said, yeah. And he said, he said, whoever your fight guy is, don't ever get rid of. And I said, and is that a good thing? Cause I didn't know who he was. And uh, he's like, that's a really, that's a really great thing, you know, and whatever. I just pocketed, you know, I just put it in the back of my head and whatever I, you know, but I guess that that was a, a pretty good compliment. And, uh, and I got on good with Henry. Henry was Henry and I, like he's like, I, I wanted to figure out a way to offer boxing because all the, there was a lot of big favorites in 2004, July, 2004, I was betting these fights and man, I, I went bad. It, the favorites went like 38 and fucking five or something. And, and I was betting like, and, and they, and they, I couldn't make them high enough. They were, you know, cause that's one thing I learned in Belize or in uh, Curacao. Like I, when I was betting at Caliente and I was taking the Chris Birds at plus 500, the Jamil McClain plus 700, all those big numbers, I figured out like, duh, aha moment. Did you just beat the days of the 38 to one Tyson Douglas shit? That's all over with. That's a, that's the non-internet bullshit error. Like whatever, you know, I mean, you, you don't see those anymore. You're like you'll see them, but you don't see them plus 3,800. You see them like minus 3,500 plus 1,200 with the ridiculous you know, with the ridiculous margins, those 38 to one flat prices, like 1997, I was down South. I wrote, God, I wrote, it's fucking Evander Holyfield almost broke me when he beat Tyson, knocked him out in the 11th round, turned me upside down. I was at a blackjack game. We're writing. I, I, I was down South, down South for a while booking uh, another long story, but, but uh, anyways, it was my Tyson thing. My Tyson story here is it's Tyson. He, he, uh, you know, he, he was, they opened him like an 18 to one favorite. They, by the time we got it, he was eight to one. They bet him down at the card game. We had a, a blackjack game, a backwoods blackjack game, you know, uh, in a County in, in, the, in rural South Carolina. And they bet him down. To, we moved it. We moved him down to four to one and man did, man was I sick. That, but, but that, that's the thing. These guys, you can't lay those big numbers and win, you know, long-term and, and, you know, and so I was not open anyway. July 2004, I was following. You know, I was staying the course, and I, I was not putting them. I wasn't opening the favorites high enough. So, and they were laying these guys. These guys were laying the chalk, laying the chalk, and they'd lay it so high that I'd be like, "Man, I need to bet it now because it's past my number." Well, that didn't work. That month it didn't work out too well. Like I took it. I mean, I got pounded that month. So I wanted to figure out a way to to offer boxing where you could bet the underdog without him winning the fight and still win the bet. So I was talking to Henry and I said, look, how about we do, you know, uh, boxing point spreads? Oh, and anyway, so Henry says to me, he's like, yeah, we could do that. Hold on. There's the bat phone, but that's okay. Um, he said, boxing point spreads. He said, well, how would you do it? I said, well, let's take the three judges scorecards at the end of the fight, tack a money line to it, you know? So basically, you know, if it was, if a guy wins 115, 112, and uh, on three cards, and you use nine and a half dog 40, and it, it, it lands nine, you know, the nine points. And, uh, and if he wins inside the distance, we, you know, you win your bet. And we did that, and it worked. And, uh, but you know what it was? I, I, I wasn't getting paid. Like, I wasn't making a, a whole lot of extra money from it. I was kind of just satisfying that thing in my own head of creating something that would, would be an alternative for betters to bet. And Tony from Five Dimes just ran with it. He still, they still offer it to this day. And I started it. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, documented, I mean, I got the, the, you know, the conversations where we discussed it back and forth. Like that was, that was my baby right there. 
But uh, but yeah. So Henry Pinnacle was, you know, Henry was 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 good to me. Henry was all right. But I didn't talk to Henry after that Black Friday. That was he just, you know, whatever. He just disappeared. All the U.S. business got got, uh, you know, all his Pinnacle pulled out of the U.S. market. Any business that anybody had there, all got, you know, apparently got refunded or whatever on deposit. Any, you know, any affiliate deals, any any sheets, anything like that. And that was the last time I ever spoke to Henry. And I, and I quit shortly after that, you know, I was doing all right. I was doing all right. I just was like, you know what? I can make more money betting him than I can working for him at this point. And, you know, that's what I did. So back then, you know, you're working for a lot of joints. Does anybody yeah. try to get you exclusive and offer you a nice, you know, a nice uh, deal where you listen, Joey, you're just my guy. You know, Bodog talked about it, but Bodog was, you know, I and, and we'll speak on Bodog. Bodog, you know, Calvin Air, uh, a lot of people know the Calvin Air story. Calvin Air got our good friend, I believe was your good friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we don't have to say names, but we know who it is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, their head bookmaker, um, he, he reached out to me and I guess it was like 2006. And I had seen him out and he had been, he's what a polarizing personality. Uh, uh, you know, I can't speak more highly of him and, and I hope that you know if anybody listens to this I hope he listens to it because you know a lot of times in, in you know during your lifetime you'll have someone come into your life and I'm sure everybody get you know I don't want to sound all nostalgic but somebody will come into your life and have such a huge profound impact upon it and go on with their life and not knowing how significant I mean it can work both ways you could have some people that come in that, you know you could have dream killers that'll come in and just destroy any dream you know any ideas you have, they just, you know, it's not a good idea. But this person, their head bookmaker, who started from the bottom and, 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 and had those times, like those trying times, I would meet him and I'd meet him at Bagelman's. And, uh, and we'd meet like every week. And he would tell me, tell me about his struggles in the early years. And, uh, and he was just an amazing, or he is, he is an amazing human being. He really, I, you know, I can't say, and, and the thing is, he probably, like, if you said, hey, I talked to Joey Bagels, he'd say, he'd say, what's that asshole doing? You know, it's probably how he'd respond to it. Ah, what's that? What's my friend doing? What's that, that knucklehead, that hardhead? I mean, he, he was always trying to, no, uh, I, you know. I, I actually talked to him recently, and he said, has nothing but good things to say. He says, you really understood the fights real well. Um, that guy we're talking about, you know, um, he's one of the most generous guys in the business, and good friend of mine and one of the best um i love him best. I, like i you know i legitimately like i got love for him he is a guy that he is also he is a he you know i i, I won't i'm not gonna say we're not gonna say his name but he is also a tugboat trained uh a tug, came up under tugboat uh yeah so for anybody that you know when you get when you come up on a tugboat it's it's always good amazing but, um, amazing human being i mean i just again i can't say enough great things about him and he didn't and it's not, it wasn't a money thing. It was just a genuine, like he never, ever, ever gave me bad advice. And that he just, and people will do that, man. A lot of people, a lot of people don't like to see people succeed mm -hmm. and you'll run into that. Like I ran into that so much in Costa Rica, but, but I was just a bull. You know what I mean? I just, I had my vision. I wanted to be the guy, you know what I mean? I, I, I wanted to prove, you know, I almost to a fault. I was loyal to a fault a lot of times, but this guy, he never gave me the wrong advice and he was always there for me. Even when I didn't ask him, he showed up. I, you know, he, he, he's a great human being and, and he deserves every penny that he made. And, and then some, and then some really great. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, that's nice of you to say that. 
Okay, so That's so true. yeah, absolutely. So let, let let's so, so now okay, so you're not working with Pinnacle now. Who who you know? Let's get into the teens, the 2013, 14. You know what's happening then? Like, are you still consult? Are you still helping guys make numbers? Are you just betting? Are you doing a little bit of both? What's happening? No, sportsbook.com, you know, 2004, when I signed with them, they were the first guys to pull me in. And uh, it's, it's kind of crazy because the original deal that I had with sportsbook.com was a salary plus a percent of the boxing. And this was in 2004. And what happened was Tyson, when those favorites ran good, and Tyson, shortly after Tyson uh, quit on this or lost to Danny Williams, I got clobbered. So I had a huge red figure. And, uh, and they called me in and, and I was like, man, I'm going to get axed. You know, they brought me in and they said, look, we're not, we're not going to, you know, I don't care about the Tyson fight, whatever. They said, we're going to, we're going to double your salary. I said, what? We just got beat. They said, we're going to double your salary. Just talk about the vision of these guys. We're going to double your salary, but you're not going to get a percent. And I said, no, man, please, please. They're like, no, don't worry. Forget it. I really wanted the percent. Hindsight, if I got the percent, I'd have made millions, but I didn't get, you know, so I, they doubled my salary. I was thrilled. And I had non-exclusives with non-exclusive with them. And they said, you know, the reason they doubled my salary is because they said, look, this, you're right. This, this shit's going to blow up and it's going to be big. And we're going to be right out in front of it. And that's, you know, so I stayed with sportsbook.com all the way till I came back to the States until 2018, 2019. Wow. Like they were with no, but, but that double salary that I got was, that was consistent. Like they ne never got a raise after that. They said, we're doubling your salary. I don't want you to come in here and ask for more money. Any percentage is nothing. This is what we're going to do. If you take it, you take it. You know, and I don't know. I didn't give a counter offer. I probably, you know, again, you look back 2004, I was young. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't negotiate a, a great deal. I didn't negotiate a good deal, but I didn't have exclusive. So I stayed with them. Bulldog, I stayed with till 2013. Um, you know, I, I did some work with, uh, with, with Hollywood. Uh, you know, Hollywood had done around the time that Hollywood was partnering up with uh, Doyle's room, but Hollywood sports book, those guys from Western PA, I guess they were from, or, uh, you know, Ohio, right on the border there. Well, whatever, big Al, LA Al. He, uh, An he, ox, Al Ox. Uh -uh. Yeah. Yeah. Big dude. Let me tell yeah. you, big guy. Like you talk about a guy that could be intimidating. Like I was, you know, I wasn't scared of nobody. This guy, he had an aura about him. He's a big dude. He reminded me of like a, a, a massively big Ray Liotta. Mm. Yeah, but anyways, he uh, Fernando, did you know Fernando at all? Fernando, uh, yes, sir, Fernando. Man, there's another guy that I didn't get to, to spend a lot of time with Fernando, but there's another genuinely great human being. Yeah. Like I don't know, nobody's ever said anything. I've never heard a bad word spoken not about one, him. Not one, never, not one, never. Great ever. guy. God bless him. I mean, you know, he was a yeah. great guy. But yeah, I, I did some work with them when uh, you know my friend Michael uh, Michael McCarthy had brought me there. He he passed away. He passed away. Uh, he did all their golf, but he brought me in there to and introduced me to Al and, and said, "Look, you can help us get our fight stuff, our fight markets right because they got they had all the contender fights up after the fights were already taped and they made a lot of mistakes. Like a lot of people were making mistakes like that back then. Um, remind me to tell you the Corey Sanders story. It's an epic story. It's a great story um, about." books making mistakes um but yeah so they brought me in for a while but then they sold the sportsbook.com so then boom that that revenue stream you know dried up which was you know fine whatever you know was i, I made a you know a few extra dollars there but yeah and i wrote it out with uh with, with sportsbook.com uh you know I so, so, so where are you living at the time you're still living in costa rica yeah Eskazoo. i got married in 2004 
Got married in 2004. Had a son, uh, my firstborn. He's 17 now. Wow. Tough kid. Yeah, real smart. My daughter's nine. You know, um, I'm still married. Great wife. I mean, she. You know that. That's probably that was the stabilizer for me. You know, she just. Uh, she kept me grounded, man. She kept me like on point. And, you know, cause you know, this business, the highs are real high and the lows can be really, really low. And, and I see, you know, and I, and I think that if I didn't get married, you know, and I didn't, you know, I didn't pull my jets. I probably, you know, I, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you right now because I had, you know, I had plenty of money, you know, when I had it and, you know, things, you know, the idle time, you know, is the devil's playground. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, you know, and I'm no, you know, I'm no saint, you know, I, you know, shit, you know, I could, I could mix it up with the best of them, you know, but I, uh, yeah, she kept me grounded. All right. So, so, so now, so, so this is good. So you're, you're, you're getting consulting fees, you're betting, you're still, you're making a great living. Um, what makes you decide to leave Costa Rica? Well, 20, that's crazy. 2015, uh, 2015, I got real sick. And they couldn't figure out what it was. And uh, I, had a, I had a tumor on my adrenal gland. The long and short of it was, and I didn't tell people, you know, like this is the first I've spoken about it publicly, really. But, you know, whatever. I mean, it's so, so long ago because I didn't want at the time, I, you know, 2014, 2015, 2014, 2015, I was rolling. Like, uh, you know, whatever. I, you know, I'm not going to say I was a millionaire, but man, I was, I was there. I had everything I needed, not everything I wanted. Um, and I was, uh, and I got real sick. And I started gaining weight, massively gaining weight. And, you know, whatever. I, I, I got this disease called Cushing's disease. And it fucking, it, 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 it's when your, your, your adrenal gland mass produces cortisol, which is the fat hormone. And it's the aggression hormone. And I blew up. I gained 100 pounds in, God, like eight months. It was insane. And it just, it, my entire endocrine system was fucked up. And no, it went undiagnosed. Undiagnosed, I had this little Costa Rican doctor would come to the house. He'd come every month to, to check uh, to check my family, you know, check up whatever he prescribed. If I wanted anything, he'd prescribe it, da-da-da. But da, da. Well, anyway, he came and he told he said to my wife, and he only spoke Spanish. He said, you know, I think he might have Cushing's disease. And my wife was like, what is that? And anyway, so I went to a specialist and um, he said, oh, you need a, you, all we got to do, he said, we go in, it's like a hernia surgery. We go in, we snip the, the tumor off the adrenal gland. And you'll be good in no time. So I, I, I went and so I didn't have life insurance. I mean, health insurance. I didn't have life either. I didn't need it. Thank God. But uh, I didn't have health insurance. And uh, but I had plenty of cash. So, you know, the, the surgery said, uh, you know, 25,000. Boom. Zima, you go in, you go in on October 30th. You're out the next day or the day after that. And you'll be at your daughter's birthday party on November 2nd. So I said, cool. So, you know, now I'm going to get this tumor removed. All this weight's going to come off me. Everything's going to be fine. Well, I went in on October 30th, and I didn't wake up until December. Fucking, oh these gosh. doctors, they botched it. They cut my kidney. They ended up having to take the whole adrenal gland out. They didn't give me the, the cortisol replacement. I mean, every mistake these guys could make, these it was like these knuckleheads they, they made. I was asleep. I slept for 30 days. Oh, in, my in, gosh. In care. Yeah. Well, get this. Well. When I was there, um, guys from Bet Chris came to see me. Um, guy that you know, guy that you know, well, shit, don't matter. Uh, well, I don't want, I won't say his name, but but uh, you know who they are. They, the guys from Bet Chris came to see me and his and his wife, and uh, I was asleep. And uh, uh, Mike Rainier came to see me, mm -hmm. and uh, and 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 our friend, my friend from Bulldog, 
And my friend from Bodog brought uh, brought 10,000 with him. And he gave it to the front desk. And he said, if this way, because my was asleep, you know, and we didn't know, you know, my wife was going every day and paying cash because it was $7,000 a day. Oh, and, my God. Uh, yeah, ridiculous, right? So she, uh, that'll break you quick, won't it? So anyway, she, he, uh, he brought 10 dimes to the, to, the, to the front desk. He said, look, he said, I don't, he said, if this woman doesn't come with the money, don't, you know, don't, you know, don't send this guy to the local, to the, to the public hospital, you know, make sure and, you know, whatever. So, I mean, he, he, like I said, he came, he brought me, he brought me Changa blocks. He brought me it's crazy. It's, a, it's actually a funny story in a way, because when I woke up, when I woke up, I didn't know where I was, but I was strapped to a bed. Turns out on the eighth floor, I thought I was on the first floor when I was planning my escape, but they had me strapped to this bed. Right. And I woke up at like three in the morning from a coma. Now, when you see people wake up from a coma in the movies and they get up and they're fucking everything in their back on the track, chasing down killers and shit, that day, that's not how it works. Like everything. Like I had muscle atrophy. Like I couldn't move, but my hands were strapped to this tape, to this, to this bed. So I said, man, so then these doctors come in like these nurses, right? And they don't speak English. And I don't, you know, I was all fucked up because they still got me on all that fentanyl and all that. So I don't know what's going on, but I thought I'd been kidnapped. So I'm strapped to this bed and they're in the middle of the night and, and I'm so now, so I, I bend over and I start chewing through, I chew through the strap on my right hand on, on the, on the table. And it took me like a fucking hour, but I saw the funny, the reason I bring this up is because I saw the, these Changa blocks and all these magazines and my friend from Dog brought them for me. So my plan was to, was to, to bite through these wraps, get my hand free, grab that box of Changa, rip rip you know rip the, the metal on it and saw the other one off because i couldn't chew the other one off again you know so that didn't work the changa things fell on the floor and i i flopped myself out of the bed and pulled out the ivs and i was going to throw the chair through the window to, to jump out the window because i thought i was on the first floor and i thought i'd been kidnapped by organ traffickers this is what you know this is crazy right so i i flip <laughs> over and i try to stand up and i couldn't stand up because my legs were, I had like most of that, I had nothing in my legs. Like, so oh I was hanging God. off the side of the bed, the, the thing bleeding all over the place. The nurses come in, they're freaking out. And, uh, and I thought I'd be kidnapped. So then like day later, next day later, cause my wife was there every day, Rainier comes and he says, uh, I said, man, I said, and I still was messed up. I thought I'd been kidnapped and I thought my wife was in on it. So they got me. You know, so now I'm strapped to the bed again. You I know, know my I, wife was in on it. That's what. No, you know, for real. Like, he'll tell you this story. Like, if you ask for near, he'll tell you. Like, I thought she was in on it. So I said to him, I said, bro. I said, I said, and it's it's funny. Now I said, man, you got to get me out of here. He's like, and he was like, sad. He's like, Joe, man, I'm sorry. I can't. I just can't. I wish I could. I'm so sorry, man. I love you. And I said, I said, man, what about the bro code? <laughs> I thought we were bros. So I said, come here. I got to whisper something to you. My wife's like, don't get close to him. He's going to bite you. It's like she read my fucking mind. I was so mad. Like when he said he couldn't, I looked at him and I was just like, what? <laughs> but oh, my man. arms were strapped. Like I couldn't get loose. Yeah. So anyways, I ended up, uh, I got discharged from the hospital. Like, I don't know, two or three weeks later, I, I got home and I had personal nurses and all this. But see, all the time, like the guys at sportsbook.com, they were cool. You know, they came to see me too. I should have said that. But uh, they came to see me too. Well, they were cool. So they picked up the slack for me while I was gone, you know, and it wasn't a lot of fights going on right then. They had like one or two 
like monster fights. And they just copy and paste because now everybody's offering fights, um, you know, copying us. So needless to say, like, I didn't tell nobody I was sick because I don't want somebody trying to take my spot. Yeah. You know, I was, you know, this is survival for me. And yeah. now all that money in the closet is like, like when I woke up, one of the first things when I realized what was going on, I looked at my wife, I said, who's paying for this? She's like, don't worry about it. It's taken care of. And I just was like, I just knew then, man, I was like, fuck. I just, uh, anyway, I shouldn't swear, but I mean, that's what I was like. I really was like, oh, like I felt it, you know, but, I, but I got better. And I came back to the States and like, they, they messed up my side. They really messed it up. So I had to go back into Orlando health. They, they took my thyroid gland out. They, they patched up my side. So now I'm good. Like I'm ready for, you know, I'm ready for like a six rounder, you know, I, I can't do 10 anymore, but well, I could, I could, I could go for six to 18 minutes. Actually it's bullshit. I could probably go for like three minutes, but I'm 51. So. Joey, man, yeah, unbelievable. These stories are just great. It's, it's great. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, no, I, I, no. you know, again, I don't know how interesting it is. I mean, people probably. Oh, it's very yeah, interesting. Yeah. That, being in a coma for over a month. That's insane. Man. And you know what happened? And it happened, and you know, and, and that, this wouldn't have happened on my watch. Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm. They opened that Ronda Rousey, 11 to 1 favorite. I was, that, that wasn't my number. That wasn't my fuck up. When Holly yeah. Holm uh, knocked her out, yeah. 11 to 1. Yeah. Did they, did they not learn anything from what I learned in like 2004, 2000, you know, that Trinidad fight? It's too high. You, you mentioned earlier, you said you, you, you can't uh, bet these, you can't lay these big numbers and win. Uh, you know, you know, in the fighting game, a lot. Of, you know, I hear so many things. I hear that you know, if if you lay the favorites, usually the, 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 there's value on the favorites because anybody that goes to Vegas that's betting on these fights, nobody's betting. You know, putting down eight hundred and just wants to win a hundred dollars, laying an eight to one favorite. People want to you know cash in big. Um, so people say there's value on these big favorites, but on the other side of the coin, in which just gambling in general, laying these big favorites. You know, all it takes is one for you to get just smashed. How do you feel about that? You know, you're the expert when it comes to to stuff like this. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I don't like the word expert, but the, you know, I, I, I the margin kills you. You can't overcome that margin. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're laying eight hundred, taking back five fifty, how do you overcome that? You know what I mean? You, you need to win. You know, you blow one, you need to win eight to get even. You know, or seven to get even. You can't overcome that. I mean, I not I haven't seen anybody overcome it. You know, you really got to pick your spots. I think that a lot of times you, I call them live dogs that won't win. Like there's got, you know, and, and the more you watch and, and the preview shows are pure poison because the better job those people do, the more, you know, their job is to paint that both sides as competitive. And that's what the number's supposed to do. Like, you know, Conor McGregor, I, you know, people talk about the Conor McGregor when he fought Mayweather. I can tell you without any, you know, with total confidence, I put the very first number up on that fight. And it was a horrible. Now I opened Connor twenty or boy twenty five to one favor. That thing. I mean, if you remember on fight night, the the, the wise guys were coming in lane like minus three eighty, minus four hundred. It was like mm -hmm. a gift. It was like a heaven sent gift because everybody was betting McGregor. And uh, you know, I just that's one of the, it was a bad number in hindsight. Like it, we made all the money, but I mean, I got multiple emails from you know from execs at, at sportsbook and whatnot saying, Jesus Christ, you don't think you can really win, can you? And I, I'd say, look, it's, is it possible? Sure, it's possible, but it's not probable. 
You know, mm. it's possible. It's not probable. I don't see him winning. You know, anything can happen. I, I watched Mike Tyson quit on the stool in a fight he was winning against Danny McBride. Turned me upside down. You know, pissed me off to no end. Uh, you know, he, against Danny Williams, go out there, win the first couple of rounds, and then and then then tank. You know, I watched look at Tyson Fury when he just fought Deontay Wilder the first time. When that man got knocked down in the in the eleventh round or whatever it was, I didn't think he was getting up. He won every round, and then they called it a draw, which was total bullshit. He, you know, Fury won that first fight, and he showed it in the second fight. He showed how much how, how much more you know higher class it was, and he's going to beat Deontay Wilder in the third fight too. He's in his head. Deontay thinks he's going to outbox this guy. He's not going to outbox him. So he's got a puncher's chance, you know, but these preview shows, I'll have you believe that Deontay, you know, he, his change of trainers from Mark Breland and, you know, he's got different guys in his camp and he's rejuvenated and blah, 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 blah. Just pay me. You know what I mean? It's just, it's always about the money. He's out there for, you know, he's fighting. He's going to make a, another big payday and he's, he's going to get his ass kicked. So Joey, do you have any regrets um, in your, you know, vast, illustrious career, anything that you wish that you didn't do? Well, yeah, I mean, sure, there's, you know, there's probably a lot, you know, I should have, if I look back and I say, man, I should have, you know, I zigged when I should have zagged, but um, I would say currently, the, big, the, the one regret that I'll have, and, uh, you know, a guy told me a long time ago, he said, stick to what you know, you know, and, uh, and I got involved with it. I got mixed, you know, I got involved with the tout industry a little bit and it just was not, uh, it's not, the, it's not something I wanted to do. You know, I, I kind of, I don't know. I, I don't want to say I got, I, you know, we all make choices. I, that was a bad choice for me. Um, you know, that's not me. I, I didn't like being called a tout. I didn't like being, you know, classified as a tout because you take all the good stuff I did and my, in, in the bookmaking world and in the odds making world and then, you know, I, I try to present myself as a marketer and that's what, you know, the best touts, look, they, the best touts are the best marketers really. Um, you know, I, I mentioned Jim Feist early in the, uh, you know, early in the broadcast and he was a, you know, he was a, I guess he was pretty genius at what he did. You know, he, he, he still, you know, his name is still known today, 20 years later, but I would say getting involved with this, the pick selling industry, you know, I mean, it's one thing to give out picks on the show and, and, you know, if I were on this show and we talk about it, because I go on a lot with people, not a lot. I go on it once in a while with people and we talk about who I like and whatnot. But I'm not sitting there. I'm not selling the information. You know what I mean? I just uh, I'm betting it myself. And, uh, you know, the, the tout industry is uh, I tell you what they make. Uh, they make the tout industry makes drug dealers look honorable. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> let, let, I, let me get it. I want to get into that just a little bit more because you have like a firsthand look. Uh, how much smoke and mirrors is involved? You know, I, I say this with, you know, I, I preach this with everything. I say liars, you know, liars figure and figures lie. If you throw, you know, and I see it with, with, you know, with these, even these UFC broadcasts, these guys get on, they start talking about stats and all that stuff. And look, you could take numbers and math and twist it into any kind of a, you know, twist it and present it any way you want. And I just, I think that it's a, I think it's a grimy industry, you know, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to shit on it, you know, cause I, people, these guys, they make their money, but at the same time, it's just not a, you know, I'm not, it is smoke and mirrors, man. You like, uh, I, I'm just not down with it. It's not something that, that I like, uh, you know, it's not something that I want to be involved with in the future. So Joey, now that you've been back stateside for a couple of years, tell me what's new going on. You know, what's the next chapter in Joey Odessa's uh, career? Here? Well, Man, I'm, I'm starting over. I'm, uh, you know, I, I came back and, 
I played the long game in Florida, you know, 2018 at Amendment 3. They, they voted yes, which didn't allow the sports wagering to come to Florida. And now uh, now this, uh, you know, Governor DeSantis, he signed a bill so that it could come to Florida. And, and you know, the Hard Rock is going to have a uh, I think the Hard Rock's going to have an incredible product when it when it comes out, when they go live. Um, I'm doing some work with them. It's an it's an amazing environment. I work. I tell you, you know, I look, you look at the future and I said, wow, all the, you know, I'm a dinosaur in this industry. And I really am because I work right now with, I work with, you know, five guys like directly that are, you know, that are, that I could be their five, they're half my age and they're all brilliant. I mean, that it's amazing. Like they, I, they put together an amazing team there and, and I'm, I'm really excited. And again, you know, when I say I'm starting over, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not like, I'm, I, in a sense, I'm starting over. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing what I love to do, except it's in an environment that uh, that isn't going to have power outages and isn't going to have, you know, immigration come in and isn't going to have all kinds of, you know, hiccups. It's uh, it's an amazing environment. I think it's going to be a, a great thing. And that's why I that's why I chose Florida. You know, I'd rather be part of something really, really big here, you know, in the beginning than be part of something that's already existed in you know in las vegas for how many years you know i, I think vegas is overrated um that's just me i've always felt that way i felt like all the talent went offshore you know why would you work in vegas you know unless you're at the top 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 of the uh top of the totem pole why would you work in vegas when you could work offshore and 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 make you know quadruple the money um that's just always been my thought i you know i i met some really brilliant you know i'd like to say i, I learned from some really look i mean you see where i worked i I brush feathers with some of the most brilliant people in the industry. I, I'm fortunate. I mean, it's blessed. You know, I don't want to sound like a, you know, like a super positive guy, you know, guy, but I just, you know, I have my faith and, you know, I have strong faith in God. I mean, I think that's what brought me back and, um, you know, and I'm here and, and I think that, you know, I took, you know, I learned a lot of lessons, you know, some of them were, were pretty costly, but, uh, but I learned from everything, the good and the bad, um, you know, and I got a, a good base. I mean, I, I, I'd like to think I'm street smart. I think that that's what got me to where I am here now. Um, so, Joey, your story is an inspiration of many. Uh, you've been through the ups and downs, seen it all, done it all, worked with some of the best in the business, made a name for yourself in the fighting odds world. And, um, you know, your, your legacy is, has definitely made an impact on the industry. If there's one thing, you know, I like to I want to close off name of the podcast is called Be Better Betters. There's one thing you could give anyone out there that's trying to become a better, better, aspiring, sharp, or uh, wanting to take their game to the next level. What advice would you give? You know, I'm going to I'm gonna quote Eric Thomas, and, and I, I, I read this every single day. It's on my, on my desktop. Eric Thomas, the, Eric Thomas, a preacher, uh, Detroit, Michigan. He says, pain is temporary. It may last for a minute an hour or a day or even a year, but eventually it will subside and something else takes its place. If I quit, however, it will last forever. Well, advice is unbelievable. Pain is temporary. You never give up. I can't think of any better advice. Joey, thanks so much for coming on. It's such a pleasure. And thanks so much for the time. Until next time.